0: I recently uh, called someone who's a mutual acquaintance of Erin, who I had not met. And she said, you sound exactly like Aaron. so if you want to just close your eyes, I'll be Aaron. But if you open your eyes, I'm not wearing a puffy vest, so it's just not going to work. I'm uh, really excited to be here with you this morning. Uh, my goal today is to encourage you as believers in Jesus Christ, to continue the mission of sharing the gospel with the world. I want to see you empowered and sent out from this place to communicate the gospel with someone. Some of you might know that my beautiful, amazing wife gave birth to a uh, child this uh, spring and it was the first week of the pandemic you know all the shutdown in in homer and uh, so after that i had plenty of time to be in solitude right with this newborn baby and i felt like oh this is a great time for me to try and spend time seeking the lord and what i heard from him time and time again is that this is a time of solitude this is a time for you to withdraw into your own home and to be encouraged to be built up again. Because the next season that follows this will likely be a season where you go out from here, invigorated, encouraged to share the gospel and to proclaim it loudly to the world. Because it's the only message for the whole world that can actually change us from the inside out. It's the only message that actually brings hope and life to the world so I want us to look at uh, the first chapter of first Thessalonians today and I believe that as we look at this it was a great encouragement to Paul about what the Lord had done and he's writing the Thessalonians and saying hey remember that time what God did so let's look at first Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul and Silvanus, Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace, we give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. In the presence of our God and Father, knowing, brethren, beloved by God, His choice of you, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you Who rescues us from the wrath to come? Verse 5 says that our gospel did not come to you in word alone, but in power. If you skip back to Acts chapter 17, it's actually a description of Paul's interaction with the people in Thessalonica. And it says that he came and he preached the gospel in the synagogue for three Sabbath days. And at the end of that time, a large number of people, including officials, came to Jesus, that they gave their life to Jesus. And then it was in the midst of a lot of persecution because what happened is the Jews saw what happened and they said, no, we're not going to stand for that. And they actually started to riot. so says that they attacked one of the Christians in his home. And so Paul writes back and he says, hey guys, remember that time Jesus did something? Well, since I've left you on my way to Corinth, I actually hear as I go what I already know happened. The story went out from Thessalonia to Corinth. It went ahead of me, not just impacting these people, but impacting the whole region of Macedonia and the region, the region adjacent to it in Achaia. Isn't that what we want to happen in our world? We want to see the gospel become alive to people, for our testimonies to be spread not only in Homer, but in Anchorage and cities and towns all over Alaska, the villages, the world, right? What he's describing here is something happened in Homer, and as I went to Anchorage, people told me what I did. That's, that's amazing. That's powerful stuff, right? I don't know about you, but sometimes my experience is not like that. I set out to share the gospel and fall flat on my face. Am I I'm the only one? Must just be me. So I, I come into K-Bay, and I'm dead set on, this guy is getting saved today. I tell the people in the back room, bring out the buckets of water. We're about to baptize somebody in here, right? And then I leave with a tucked tail saying, ah, that, that didn't exactly work out the way that I hoped it would. <laughs> so working at ABI, I have the, I have the joy of, of discipling young men. And part of my MO is, I'm going to scoop you up From campus and we're gonna go into town and I'm gonna tell you about what Jesus has done for me and I want to hear what Jesus is doing for you and I want to uh, encourage you and equip you to be a disciple maker as you go right so we the one day we walk in this past year we walk into K Bay and I hear this very familiar voice it's loud and it's slightly obnoxious and I know exactly who it is because he says praise Jesus at the top of his lungs in the middle of K Bay right and so we order our coffee, uh, this guy that I'm mentoring, and, and we proceed over to Joseph Coyer, who's sitting at a table talking to someone else. And I immediately pick up on that Joseph is, is witnessing to this guy. And so we just, we just get into it, right? We're all sharing our testimony with him. We're all, we're all just trying to lead him to the Lord, right? Nothing happened that day, but from that point forward, I knew that he worked at k and I had a way to, to come back and witness to him again. So over the course of like a year and a half, every time I went into K-Bay, my mission is to talk to this guy, right? No matter what, I'm going to seek this guy out. The last time that I talked to him, he was in K-Bay, but he wasn't working. And so I started a conversation with him. And we started talking about the Holy Spirit. And it it was a great conversation. And then he asked me a question, a question that stopped me in my tracks. The question was this, where is your power? Now, I, th- I thought I knew what he was asking me, but then he clarified what he was asking me because he quoted scripture. He quoted John 14:12, which says this, "'Truly, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me,' this is Jesus speaking, "'will also do the works that I am doing. "'He will do even greater things than this, because I am going to the Father. And in that moment, I knew that He was asking me if I had raised the dead, if I had given sight to the blind, if I had seen lame people walk, right? I don't know about you, but I, I know people who know people who know people that that's happened to, right? But I haven't personally prayed for somebody that's been healed from those things, right? And I, I know stories, and I know that, that stuff's real, but I don't have a, a story that's exactly like that and so I felt like I fell flat on my face with him and I left I had very little interaction with him since then because he, he moved out of town right so since then I've, I've struggled with that scripture and that conversation that I've had with him I've rehearsed it in my mind time and time again Lord you got to help me with this 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 is a hurdle I need to be able to get over it right and so as I've as I've tried to to figure it out and, and sought the Lord on it I've I've come to a conclusion but before I tell you the conclusion I want to tell you four areas that the gospel does not derive its power from the gospel does not derive the power from these things the first one is this the gospel The power of the gospel is not produced by you. 1 Thessalonians, right after what we just read, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, Paul says, For our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God. Who examines our hearts if anything scripture confirms that our weakness shows off his strength but Paul's saying here that he's been entrusted with it he's been given it this is a message I want you to do something with right It's been entrusted to us because the Holy Spirit has filled you as believers. It's been given to you. It's not something that you work up and get the power to do out of your own strength and then share on your own. This is is the mystery of heaven. It's not from man. It's from God. But I can't tell you how many times I feel powerless when I try and step out into that, right? But I think that's exactly where God wants us to be. Number two, the power of the gospel does not rely on your eloquence. My oldest child just turned five and he started asking me questions that I have the answer to, but I'm not real sure he's catching The answer, right? I mean, I'll give you an example. He asked me, Dad, how does it rain? Okay, well, uh, there's water on the ground, and when the sun hits the water, it evaporates, so the water becomes air, and then it floats up into the sky, and when enough water comes together, it gets too heavy and falls back to the ground. And when I say that out loud, I think, that I sound like a moron. I mean, that's scientifically accurate, but a five-year-old's not going to understand that, right? That's just... And then, you know, where does God live? Well, in heaven and in me and in your mom and in some other people, but not all people. uh, And he's just kind of all around. Uh, Okay. Uh, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 2. And I when I came to you brothers, did not come proclaiming you to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul, this great theologian who knows the scripture from front to back, who spent his whole life studying, and says, I have a real simple message and this is it. His name is Jesus and he died for us. That's not hard for you to communicate. Moses steps up to the burning bush to receive his call from the Lord, and he knows that he's on holy ground because he's told that he's on holy ground, right? He receives his calling, and he says to the Lord, I can't do that. I have a speech impediment. I'm not going to be able to say this this to Pharaoh. But do you realize in those moments as he's speaking words, he's speaking words to the living God. God. So imagine God going, okay, so you you can speak to me, but you can't speak to a man. You got this backwards, buddy. Surely you can go and share it with them. The power of the gospel, the third one, the power of the gospel does not depend on the hearer's response. 1 Corinthians 1.14, the natural man does not accept the things of the spirit for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Jesus sits with Nicodemus in the dark and he explains to him, are you the teacher of teachers here? And yet I'm explaining to you that you need to be born again and you have no clue what I'm talking about. You don't understand that. What you're talking about is not going to be discerned by the world. Jesus uses this statement, Jeremiah uses this statement, and to each of the churches, the letters concludes in Revelation two and three. Jesus says to John and the churches, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the spirit says. It's not my job to determine if the person will hear the message. It's my job to be determined to speak the message. Share the gospel. Ephesians 6 says put the gospel on as your shoes to be ready to share the peace of the gospel. But this last one is the is the, is the part that, that really got me. Number four, the power of the gospel is not dependent upon signs and wonders. Now this is a tricky one and I got to be careful here, right? You just say, Matt, I, I read the Gospels and I see a whole lot of signs and a whole lot of wonders. In fact, Acts starts out with these miraculous events. The Holy Spirit descends on the congregation in the upper room. And the immediate response to that is the communication of the gospel, not only in their languages, but languages they know, they don't know how to speak. And thousands of people come to Christ, right? And you say, Matt, well, wait a minute. The, the chapter after that, Peter and John heal a man. Say, yeah, they do. But what happens before and after the healing? Peter and John are on their way to the synagogue to preach the gospel. And after they heal the man, the people around say, where did your power come from? Surely you possess the power to heal this man. And Peter and John say, the power isn't mine, it's of God. God has done this, not me. For a long time, I felt like the Lord was calling me to uh, take a retreat, to go and just be silent with Him. And I put it off because who has time for that, you know? Uh, but at the end of the school year this year, multiple people said something about how great and how good of an idea it is for it to be a regular practice for you to be silent before the Lord. And so I I got a cabin out east, dry cabin, and I went out there for three days. And what I expected, what I hoped for, what I desired more than anything is for the Lord, for Jesus Christ, to actually open the door to my cabin and walk in and spend time with me. That's what I wanted. And so I get to my cabin and I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, The only thing I know about a silent retreat is you be quiet and uh, I figured it probably would be a good idea for me to start reading my Bible and if Jesus walks in That's the best thing that I could be doing, you know (laughs) Uh, So I I start reading Matthew because Matthew is the book that that was that was the beginning of it for me and uh, I get through Matthew and the second day I get through Mark and I start reading Luke and the third day, I start finish, finishing Luke, and I'm sitting on the bluff, I'm sitting on this bench, and I, I read Luke 17:6. 17:6 17, 6 says, and the Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you should say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea. And I'm in the middle of nowhere, there's plenty of trees, so I look around and I find a tree. And I find the littlest tree, on the edge of the bluff. I mean, if a strong wind came by, it would knock this tree over and it would be next to the sea and I would have called it a miracle. <laughs> and so I say, with all authority in heaven, tree be uprooted and planted in the, in the sea. And then I look around and I say, did anybody hear that? Wait. And I, I imagine what's gonna happen is this tree's gonna levitate up and the dirt's gonna fall. And it's going to go out into the ocean. And it's going to stand upright in the middle of the ocean. And I'm going to say, praise the Lord. That's awesome. And it didn't happen. And then the next day, I go back to the bench. And it's still there. Nothing happened. As I went through the Gospels... What I gathered after that was a different scripture. And since then, this scripture has weighed more heavily on me than John 14. Jesus says three times recorded in the gospel, Matthew 16, 4. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of Job. Jesus doesn't need signs and wonders. He is the sign. He is the wonder. The power of the gospel rests solely on his nail-pierced hands and feet. That's where it comes from. Because he died for us, is all the motivation I need to share the gospel. He set us free. I'm no longer a slave to sin because of that not because of signs not because of wonders as long as i can remember i've been the type of person to rehearse conversations in my head especially conversations that i wish i had done differently so you better believe that this conversation i have with this guy in k-bay i've rehearsed a lot and these are the things that i wish i could have responded in that moment When he asked me, where is your power? I would have responded by asking him a question. Maybe one of these three questions. Are you telling me that you want something more powerful than a dead man becoming alive? Because he's standing in front of you. I was dead. Now I'm alive. Are you asking me, if there's something more powerful than the living God taking up residence inside of a human being. Are you asking me, what could be better than being called the friend of everything you see, the creator of everything you see? All of those things are true for us who rely on Jesus Christ. There is nothing more powerful than that. There's nothing more motivating than that. So here's your homework go tell someone the gospel. Not because you have the power to do so not because you are eloquent of speech not because you expect them to respond not because you expect it to be followed by signs and wonders but because Jesus is worthy Jesus is worthy he's worthy to be on the tip of my tongue his message is worthy and it's been entrusted to you to go out and proclaim his name So real quick, I'm gonna give, give you three bullet points to help you share the gospel. If you remember these three things, you can create a story that will help you communicate the gospel. The number one I've just straight ripped off from Aaron Weiser, it's the goodness of God. Because the Bible starts that way. He starts out by creating, and then calling it good you all have a story of how god has been good to you number two is depravity but here's here's the difference here's here's how i want you to be different is that you don't have to talk about someone else's depravity you can talk about your own this is how i need a savior i've been saved from this this was my weakness and i've overcome it and i guarantee you in the sharing of that you will disarm the person and they will relate to you as a person we're all in the same boat number three is jesus died on a cross that's what makes christianity stand out It's what makes Christianity stand out from every other religion on the planet. There's no other message that says that God left heaven to come and save you. No one else is saying that. It's what makes us unique. So it has to be the crux of your message to say that Jesus put on flesh and came and bore our sins. So as we go into worship, I want you to, I want you to to ask the Lord, who is the person that I'm supposed to go share the gospel with this week, today? What's their name? You, You may know them right now. So here's my encouragement to you. Let's go to war for the gospel in Homer, in Alaska, in the villages. Let's see it impact the whole world. Because you have the most powerful weapon in heaven on the tip of your tongue. His name is Jesus, the most powerful weapon of all. Let's worship.